Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see It's time to express yourself, where teens talk and the world listens. Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Maria Wong, and for this episode, we'll be discussing sexual assault awareness and prevention. I'm Brigitte Gia. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Please visit BeTheStarYouAre.org to make a tax-deductible donation and get more information about how you can be a part of our mission to increase literacy and positive message media. It's always the season for giving, so give big. So to start off our show today, Maria will be discussing a novel that highlights the rampancy and consequences of sexual assault on college campuses. Take it away, Maria. Thanks, Brigitte. So yes, as you mentioned, I'll be discussing Accused, a a retaliation novel number two by Yasmin Shiraz. And it really is a novel that is so relevant and pertinent to sexual assault awareness and prevention among teenagers and on college campuses. Now, this novel is part of the Retaliation series, focusing on the two main characters, Tashera and Ahmed's newest journey in life, college. At first, everything seems to be going great at Georgia Atlantic University for this couple. Ahmed is excelling in basketball, and Tashera seems to be finding her place with STOP, a student organization that helps victims of abuse, specifically sexual harassment or assault. To give our listeners some context, sexual assault is defined by the Department of Justice as any type of sexual contact or behavior that occurs without the explicit consent of the recipient. Falling under the definition of sexual assault are sexual activities such as forced sexual intercourse, forcible sodomy, child molestation, incest, fondling, and attempted rape. Now, on GAU's campus, there is a serial rapist, Brandon. Brandon is Ahmed's basketball teammate, and he basically drugs, sexually harasses, and sexually assaults young college and high school female students. From the start, Tashera and Ahmed notice that there is something off about Brandon, but they cannot put a name to it. It's through switching the point of views from Tashera, Ahmed, Brandon, and other key characters that the readers really get to know the mindset of each. From Brandon's point of view, you can see that he had a tough childhood with his father leaving and him essentially trying to gain control by bullying his mother by his fear physical force. However, his need to be the star of attention and gain control through drug raping girls with no remorse ultimately categorizes him as a psychopath. 
You see this as you learn from Tashera's point of view when she's attending these stop meetings where victims of sexual assault of from Brandon, as he's a serial rapist, um, they speak up about their sexual assault experiences but are too scared to reveal who the perpetrator is. In fact, only 20% of female student victims ages 18 to 24 report to law enforcement. I just want to emphasize that through this novel, um, Yasmin does this too, that it never is the victim's fault, even though throughout this, they really do not report it at first. And throughout the novel, Brandon is jealous of Ahmed. Ahmed's the golden boy of the basketball team. And Brandon really just wants to be the center of attention and to be the top player. And he decides to do this by basically just ruining Ahmed's reputation. He frames him, implicating that he was with a high school student who, whose name is Zia. And Zia is a high school student. She lives near GAU. And she finds Ahmed cute, but she never they've never actually been in contact. Ahmed never really knew her. And he's really faithful to his girlfriend, Tashera. Instead, Brandon falsely gives Zia Ahmed's quote-unquote phone number, but in reality, it's just Brandon talking to her, convincing her to come to GAU to hang out. During this time, Brandon drug rapes Zia and manipulates and blackmails her through nude photos to state that to tell her that she needs to say that Ahmed raped her instead of Brandon. Hence, Ahmed is framed for a crime he did not commit, going back to the title accused, and it leads him to lose his basketball scholarship, dignity, friends, respect, and much more. This victim's guilt can be seen with Zia, as she is aware that Brandon was the one who raped her. However, she's too afraid to report it as Brandon has blackmailed her. And this leads into her emotional and physical downward spiral, which is so heartbreaking and really reveals the ramifications of sexual assault on the survivor, such as depression. Um, She takes sleeping pills to ignore her problems, disassociation with other people, and essentially just closing everyone out and isolating herself. And throughout it all, Shiraz notes how sexual assault really does affect everybody, especially the survivor. The only person that believes in Ahmed's innocence is Tashera. She battles with the court, college admin, the basketball team, all for his innocence, finding veritable proof through receipts, credit cards, and social media showing that Ahmed wasn't even at GAU during the time of the rape. And through this, it's also interesting because I feel like Shiraz depicts how often college administration does not help the victims or they take the easy way out, the one where they'll have the least amount of blame because they don't want to ruin their reputation. And it's really due to Tashera's determination by talking to the victims, encouraging them to speak out, such as emphasizing to survivors such as Zia that it really isn't her fault and that the perpetrator, Brandon, deserves justice, which finally leads to Brandon being convicted in the end as his victims start to speak out. Now, overall, this is such a thrilling book. I really feel that she effectively elicits what sexual assault is, the rampancy of it on college campuses, and shows how determination, education, and really speaking to victims and getting them to speak out can help further prevent um, future sexual assault. Overall, I'd recommend this novel to anyone who is interested in reading about college campuses, sexual assault, or just really a thrilling book that really looks into the minds of different characters, as you'll not only learn a lot about what sexual assault is and how to prevent it, but you'll really be invested in each character. Oh, wow. That's, you know, this book has definitely has like a really powerful message. You know, I feel like it's really relevant um, with a lot of the cases that have been happening in the news. You have Stanford, you have other incidents on college campuses that I, I don't know if they've increased in like, 
you know, if if the um, amount of rape cases that we're dealing with, sexual assault cases, has increased, but I guess it's definitely been brought more to light with a yeah. lot of victims, you know, being able to speak out, I feel like. Yeah, exactly. I'm really glad that, that the media is starting to show more about this. And there are really great documentaries, especially about what Shiraz is talking about in this book, about sexual assault on college campuses um, with movies like The Hunting Ground, which show top universities really failing to help the victims report these as due to reputation and other causes. Yeah, yeah, and you you do have that, exactly, that reputation factor where you know, colleges want students. Colleges need, you know, the funding. They want to bring in a lot of students, make sure everybody gets their education. And if they have this charge on their campus, then, you know, a lot of students will be deterred from that school and they'll get less applications. But then we have to realize that, you know, do, do you want to sacrifice reputation um, for, you know, somebody's well-being? Yeah, you know? and it's exactly. And I mean, we have statistics out there that show that every one in five female college students ages 18 to 24 will be sexually assaulted on campus. And this really is a pertinent issue, especially for teenagers like us going into college or just in life in general, because I really feel like there are so many ways to prevent this, both through education, listening on the media, such as this. Yeah. And if you, I guess if you allow it to, you know, happen on college campuses, places where people go to find themselves and people go to start out their adult life, then People think it's okay to continue this and make it kind of a prevalent thing within society. Um, but moving on to kind of cover ground about what sexual assault is in general, can you give us kind of like a definition of the term and what really yeah, falls under it? For sure. So though the legal definition varies from state to state within the United States, the Department of Justice defines, as I said before, sexual assault as any type of sexual contact or behavior that occurs without the explicit consent of the recipient. And there are many, sexual assault is really an umbrella term for many different types. Of course, there's rape, child molestation, but in this book you also see that there's a lot of drug-facilitated sexual assault, intimate partner sexual assault, elder abuse. There's many different ty- um, types of it, but yes, overall it really is, there really is no consent from the person, and I actually would love to talk about more about consent because going along with sexual assault, how there's no one single legal definition for it. Each state has its own definition for consent, too, which determines how the court handles it. And RAIN, which is the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, states that in general, there are three main ways to determine consent. First of all, there's affirmative consent. Did the person express overt actions or words indicating agreements for sexual acts? Freely given consent was the... Was the consent offered of the person's own free will without being induced by fraud, coercion, violence, or threat of violence, and capacity consent? Did the individual have the capacity or legal ability to consent? And there's many different factors that go into the capacity consent, such as age, developmental disability, intoxication, especially on college campuses, if you're at a party or just in a social environment, oftentimes This can be a big one. Physical disability, the relationship of the victim and perpetrator, unconsciousness, and vulnerable adults. Definitely. Okay, I see, I see. So there's like, I guess, yeah, there's no concrete rules, really. You'll always have kind of... Yeah, there's no, which I feel like really 
prevents and inhibits uh, policymakers and legislators to really create laws because there's no single definition of it. What about what about like um, verbal assault? You know, like catcalling. Does that fall into the category of sexual assault, or is that something um, else? I mean, there's a lot of debate over it. Either way, it's either going under sexual harassment or sexual assault. And I feel like there definitely is, at least in society, um, where these things are sort of accepted. And that's one of the main factors of rape and sexual assault. Often is that society doesn't condemn rape or. Um, there's laws and policies that don't really help with gender equality or sexual assault in general, which lead to these things being normal, normalized and not stigmatized. I guess you do see like maybe a tie-in with kind of the history behind the gender roles that we have today. And you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about how like women specifically, you know, are victims or of sexual assault. And then you have like, those people saying, oh, you know, she was dressed, she was dressed to dessert or like what, what was it? Exactly. And it, they, you know? there's often that argument, but how, that's just simply not the case because it never is the victim's fault. There's many factors that lead into sexual assault, such as poverty, um, alcohol and drug use, history of sexual abuse as a child, lack of institutional support from police and judicial systems. But it, I just really want to emphasize that it really never is the victim's fault because they never gave consent and they weren't asking for it by wearing certain clothes or by doing a particular thing. That never is the case. It never should be the case. Exactly. Definitely. Uh, wow. Thank you, Maria, so much for that, you know, enlightening that like informative segment and uh, got all of like all your information. It's it's really important to educate people especially like young people the audience about sexual assault and make sure that people are aware of it and people work to prevent it uh, unfortunately that is all the time we have for this segment uh, again thanks again for sharing all your knowledge uh, support our show in these amazing segments by donating to the be the star you are charity that brings you this program for more information on how to do this go to be the star and follow our blog i'm brigitte Gia. And I'm Maria Wong. More information is at our website, bethestarur.org. Don't go anywhere as we continue our discussion about sexual assault awareness and prevention. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. 
Welcome back to our uplifting, inspiring program. I'm Maria Wong, and you're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network, brought to you by the Be The Star You Are charity. For this segment, we're discussing the importance of sexual assault awareness and prevention. I'm Brigitte Gia. For a publication last year, I actually had the chance to research and write an article about my region's juvenile court system and kind of really understand how it does its best to help young individuals. And so the woman that I interviewed was actually part of a program that aided victims of sexual assault and sexual exploitation, and she kind of helped them recover from uh, traumatic events that they, they went through. And so for this segment, I thought I'd just read the article that I wrote and address my misconception that a lot of abuse and sexual assault could be overlooked within the juvenile court system. And I'll just kind of tell juvenile hall mentor Catherine's inspiring story. Uh, I've actually changed her name just for privacy, uh, but I have a transcript of the interview and I also have the article. So here we go. Alameda County Education Department staff member Catherine is a teacher and mentor who works with the county's juvenile hall. For eight years, inspired by this disparity between the way society treated juvenile delinquents and other youths, she's been working in juvenile law and rehabilitation for juveniles who've been through the system. Before I interviewed Catherine, I'd read a New York Times article claiming that the juvenile system inadequately protected youths who'd been exploited, sexually assaulted, and I wanted to find out if that was true, if the system actually shielded uh, some of the perpetrators of sexual assault and exploitation um, during court cases or when the minor was tried. And so were the roots of the juvenile court system in fact unjust? And did they protect the rights of minors fairly? Were staff members actually in it for the paycheck or were they genuinely invested in helping these kids readjust to society? So talking to an experienced staff member helped clear things up. Catherine is absolutely invested in these individuals. She finds joy in seeing her students succeed and she believes that every minor deserves an education. She told me that many of the youths who pass through the system are not actually resentful of it. They don't they don't have a lot of hate towards the system, and if they do, it is kind of overcome um, because they kind of look forward to this educational opportunity, to a chance um, to, you know, take advantage of the facilities, like um, different opportunities, and to kind of incorporate themselves back into society. And the system, Catherine states, affects the different individuals in different ways. Uh, a generalization of resentment or happiness can't really describe what the kids feel when they react to the juvenile court system. And the roots of the juvenile court system are not sinister. And as a whole, juvenile hall is a facility that really tries to help kids before they must suffer major consequences as adults and kind of helps them correct their lifestyle. And the system doesn't really uproot individuals. In fact, it helps them establish themselves. And so... Catherine didn't really see any sort of like correlation between the court system and kind of hiding those who'd exploited youths. Um, she believes wholeheartedly in the system uh, within the Alameda County um, Educational Service. And Catherine is involved in watering the roots of the system and her students as well. And in the interview, she voiced her opinion about the faculties that Juvenile Hall provides. And she stated some stuff that she would like to add. She would include additional transition aids like community service, maybe more stable housing to the facilities that are available to the youths. Uh, she's actually established herself in this field for noble reasons, and she continues to uphold her reasons with her thoughts and her advocacies. 
And so students under Catherine's wing have really turned around and found themselves enjoying their education within the juvenile hall system. And the girls that she works with uh, in a program called Emerge, actually, um, these girls have gone through, you know, exploitation. They've been exploited. They've been sexually assaulted. Catherine kind of helps them get back to society and kind of start living, quote unquote, normally again um, and recovering from that trauma. Uh, The girls that she works with look to her as kind of a mentor figure, as kind of a hero. And so Catherine and I, at the end of the day, we both found that the court system really tries to root itself in justice and that staff members like her are deeply invested in helping the kids find their paths and root themselves within society instead of, you know, the system shielding um, the oppressors or the perpetrators of violence against these kids. And so it was kind of the opposite of what I thought I would find. So I do have a transcript um, where it's me and Catherine. And Maria, would you like to read Catherine's part? Yes, of course. Have her on hand. Yeah. All right. Uh, so here we go. So I say, how long have you been working in this field? Well, I worked with Juvenile Hall for eight years in co-ed and then with Just Girls. Wow. So you've got a lot of experience. What was your role in your work? I was a teacher within the units. The kids are divided by units and they stay with these units. And I taught, well, different subjects. English, math, science, and history, and right now I help with independent study with Alameda County. I tutor three days a week at International Boulevard. That's incredible. Uh, What was your motive for starting this job? Uh, Like, what did you want to achieve? Well, you know, I used to live in the residential area of Denver, and I would see these kids, these throwaway kids who deserved an education just like you, and I wanted to really make a difference for them and their upbringings. Wow, that's just amazing. (laughs) Now I feel like I should be doing something better with my life. (laughs) Anyway, my next question is, do the juveniles who have been involved with the system think that it's just uh, um, that it's just or how, how do they feel about the system once they go through it? Well, individually, it really depends on the kid. Some find the system to be, you know, kind of a relief. Some want to escape their time. And a lot of the time it gets old, monotonous. A lot of these kids will come in and get out and then weeks later they'll be back in and it really does get old for them. While they're there, you know, they get school. Yeah, definitely. Are there ever any turnabouts from a student of yours not liking school to liking school? Yes, overall most of the students I would say like school. They receive credits for college and a lot of them really do enjoy it. Wonderful to hear. That's really great. Uh, Yeah, I guess school is really sort of an escape at times. Uh, Do you think that those who are exploited resent the system or are they just, you know, passing through? I don't feel like they've been resenting the system. I mean, there are a lot of services in juvie to help them transition back into life. Youths who have been exploited are often incarcerated for something other than exploitation, you know. We try to protect girls who have gone through a lot. Definitely. Uh, You mentioned transitional services. What are some of the faculties available? Well, there's transitional housing for older teens, and there are group homes, and kids can get an education from the court that can be transferred to another school in the county or near them. In my work, I help exploited youths, which is the Emerge program. Generally, I say that we need safe and stable housing and community services. I like to make the transition more stable. I think the girls would really benefit from integration. And there's there's the transcript. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So thank you so much, Brigitte, for sharing this with us. So why, even though in Alameda County, the juvenile delinquent program has a clear cut purpose, sexual assault is often covered up in society? Um, I think, you know, it's kind of interesting because that New York Times article that I read um, talked about kind of like the juvenile system 
as a whole, like within the United States. Um, but when I interviewed a specific counties, like juvenile hall staff, I found that within this county, there was definitely no, you know, no shielding of people who exploited girls or sexually assaulted them. And so I think it's, I think it's really a matter of like society as a whole or like the nation as a whole versus small, um, smaller concentrations, like um, smaller branches of the system where we see that sometimes, or you probably have some shielding going on, unfortunately, um, within the nation as a whole, but there are small pockets or branches of the juvenile hall system that are really trying to help girls with the Emerge program and other programs for girls who have been exploited or sexually assaulted. Exactly. I feel like there are so many great programs out there that really help not only promote education, um, but also provide support and a supportive community, which they really, which people all really need. In fact, I was speaking recently at a Girl Scout event. I've been a Girl Scout for 13 years now, mm-hmm. and I learned about a program we have in Northern California called Girls at Risk. And they reach out to girls um, in juvenile hall, and they often help them, give them support, teach them, just really become their mentors and really get to know them. And when I was talking to the program director, they often girls often didn't know what constituted as sexual assault. And that's often one problem of it, I feel like, is often people don't know what it constitutes as because often it can be intimate partner sexual assault or other things. But overall, it's really great. I feel like that these programs are able to help. We also have other programs like Girls at Risk, the Family Justice Centers that we have here in California, um, and RAIN, which I've stated before, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, which really provides great information and help 24 hours with um Hotlines able with people who are trained to able to help with sexual harassment, incest, all of that um, through the number 1-800-656-4673. So that's the National Sexual Assault Hotline. It's open 24 hours a day. Anybody, including our listeners, if they have a friend or if they themselves have ever experienced this, they can go to them to talk to them and receive help. So once again, that's 1-800-656-4673. Yeah, that's definitely, especially that hotline, very, very important. And like, it's important that we have the support network for victims of rape and sexual assault. And, you know, you mentioned earlier, I think in the last segment about how poverty is sometimes a factor in, in like, you know, sexual assault or like in rates of sexual assault. And I feel like that's also kind of an important point because, I think in like there's this huge disparity within you know in America between like public education systems where in the suburbs you might have enough funding to be able to get a health class get this sort of education but then in sort of like the city districts you might not get as much education uh, just based on like the way property taxes work um, within the cities and within the suburbs and the disparity between the two. So I think it's really great that there are all of these programs that help educate, you know, girls and women and other victims of sexual assault about how to deal with this. Cause sometimes, you know, public schooling will not give you that education. Like we don't, even in health class, I don't, at my school, we didn't really talk about that. You know, we talked about like, Exa- yeah, it, yeah. 
it really isn't talked about enough, which is why through talking about it over social media and initiating conversations, when cases that have been so popular in the media, such as the Brock Turner case in Stanford, it really is important. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it really is important that we really elicit this awareness and through these programs and through doing this radio show, you know, really getting people to understand what sexual assault is and how to prevent it. Definitely. Super, super important. Um Well, thanks so much, Maria, for that important conversation. And again, this information that you're providing with us is absolutely amazing. We really need to educate ourselves on sexual uh, sexual assault awareness. And unfortunately, we are out of time for that segment. Um, Audience, during the break, please visit our radio site at expressyourselfteenradio.com for photos, descriptions, links, blogs, and more. And we will be continuing our conversation, so stay tuned. I'm Brigitte Gia. And I'm Maria Wong. Please visit our charity site at bethestarur.org and watch our fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash bethestarur. Stay right here as we continue our wonderful discussion on the importance of sexual assault awareness and prevention. Show the world your smile. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, teens talk and the world listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Maria Wong. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. For this segment of Express Yourself, we're continuing a very important conversation about sexual assault awareness and prevention. I'm Brigitte Gia. In this segment, we have guest Javier Lopez joining us for our continued conversation about assault and its prevention. Javier is a prevention educator for the Community Violence Solutions, and he facilitates the Male Ally Programming, wherein young men learn about healthy masculinity and becoming allies to all women. He has worked with CVS for about two years. Welcome, Javier. Hello, how's everyone doing? Great. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. So to start it off, could you give our listeners some insight on what exactly Community Violence Solutions does? Uh, Yeah, no problem. Uh, So my agency, uh, Community Violence Solutions, is the Rape Crisis Center for uh, Contra Costa County. Uh, We've been doing this work since about the mid-70s. We started out as a fellowship funded by different churches here in the Richmond area. 
Um, but we started off, um, you know, very humble beginnings, but we've expanded not just from a rape crisis intervention, but also as well as working with our anti-human trafficking um, program, we've been working with uh, CFS or Children and Family Services, um, getting families of victims of sexual assault as well as human trafficking, connecting them with whatever resources they may need in the, in the community. Um, on top of that, we've also been focusing more on uh, prevention tactics, uh, being able to reach out to youth and being able to educate them on problems they may face in their day-to-day lives. Um, on top of that, we also work hand-in-hand with uh, medical services and law enforcement when it comes to uh, reported cases of sexual assault within our county. Um, we also work with uh, Marin County out in San Rafael in that area. Um, but yeah, the, it, we've also, I don't know if I've mentioned this earlier, but we are the longest running uh, rape crisis center within Contra Costa County. Wow, that is that is definitely like incredibly important work that you're doing there. Thank you so much for your services, and I'm sure they're super super helpful in you know preventing sexual assault, and making sure that the victims are staying strong, being a support base for the victims. And so, how exactly did you become involved with community violence solutions? And as a preventive educator, what do you do? I guess you can say it runs in the family. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, I, ju- I finished, I uh, was finishing up my undergrad in college um, as a, I was a public health uh, major at the time. Um, and yeah, you know, I was fresh out of college looking for a job. Uh, I had a lot of experience working with youth. Uh, my sister, uh, Selena Diaz, she's actually one of our victim advocates and she you know, she came to me, told me that the agency was looking for a uh, for a male educator to be able that someone that was very familiar with uh, the community here in Richmond and San Pablo, out here in Contra Costa County. Um, so I figured it would be the perfect way to combine my previous experience as well as what I've learned um, to be able to kind of uh, mold youth to help people uh, with whatever problems they may face. Uh, Especially around here, uh, knowing the culture of the inv- of uh, of the cities we live in, knowing the communities that live within Richmond and San Pablo, um, being able to kind of you know help these young men. Um, but yeah, as a prevention educator, we offer well. Um, me personally, I help facilitate discussions about sexual harassment and sexual assault. Um, as well as bullying, as well as uh, becoming uh, helping young people become active bystanders. Um, but as you mentioned earlier, my primary role is facilitating our uh, gender-specific programming, our male ally program. Um, it's a 16-week program based on our uh, My Strength uh, campaign or the My Strength Club which was a curriculum that was set in place back in 2004 based out of, um, I believe the, the agency was called uh, Men Can Stop Rape out of Washington, D.C. And uh, from there, uh, it addresses topics like toxic masculinity, uh, rape culture, um, what it means to be a young man, and more importantly, uh, how they can define healthy masculinity and be able to turn that into a positive, be able to... Uh, help people, not just themselves, not just their community around them, but just uh, be able to cause a culture change. Um, so we're trying to address um, multiple issues. 
uh, you know, we're trying to a- attack um, what would be a societal problem, but more on a community level. So uh, that's kind of the, the, bur- the purpose I serve as a prevention educator. Yeah, and that's so great because I really do feel like programs like the Male Ally Program, specifically targeted towards males, will really help um, create more awareness about rape culture, about sexual assault, while also being able to prevent it more. And overall, how has your experience been working with the Male Ally Program? What have you learned from it, and how has your experience been overall? Um. Overall, my, my experience has been really positive. Um, as I've learned with a lot of these young men, um, there is a inherent need to impress each other, to, to front, to make each other look good, like that they, um, what's it called? Like, like, like this idea that misogyny is cool, this idea that mm, uh, that's yeah. what's expected of them. Um, but once I get them on one-on-one situations or in those safe group settings where they're able to talk more about themselves and their dreams, their hopes, what they see, um, definitely it's kind of, it really opens their eyes that they don't have to be defined by these gender norms, by these stereotypes that have been uh, set, set aside for them. Um, me personally, one of my favorite moments was actually uh, talking to one of my young men and uh, we were having a, a really important conversation on consent. And this young man was, was telling me, you know, you know, Javi, um, you know, this, I get what you're saying. It, it goes completely against what I've been taught as a kid. But, you know, I, I, I may not like it, but I respect it. And, and I told him, I'm like, look, man, that, that's all I needed to hear. You know, that's all you had to tell me. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to be a big fan of what this is about, but you got to be able to respect someone's consent. Um, so personally, to have this young man that came in just completely against the program, against what I was teaching, and then to kind of finally find that middle ground with me was a really big, uh, a really big, um, I guess, tip of the cap moment for myself. But so far, you know, what I found is a lot of these young men, they try to become their own advocates, uh, but for some reason, uh, they get pushed back or they're, or they're told not to, not to advocate for themselves. So, you know, to be able to offer them that space where they're able to talk about these issues that men aren't supposed to talk about, where they're able to talk about their emotions, um, where they're able to talk about the how they may not feel comfortable with this with this image of masculinity. Um, it's definitely helped a lot of a lot of young men out here. Exactly, and that really is so wonderful that you're really able to find that middle ground with them and emphasizing the importance of consent, which I feel like is often sort of pushed back within our community. How so? These programs, such as the Male Ally Program, are just really great. How can we make them more accessible to more teenagers or start at an earlier age? Uh, luckily there is a lot of programs, um, available to be able to implement within classrooms. Uh, for example, my prevention partner, her name is Liliana Gonzalez. Uh, she does a lot of the, uh, younger, uh, the younger age programming as well as our, uh, gender specific female programming, but it's all based on a uh, second step anti-bullying and it's about finding, finding ways to introduce these topics in, in age-appropriate manners, you know. Uh, sexual assault is defined as forced sexual contact. 
think usually when we're talking about force, that means someone has set up a boundary. Uh, the victim would set up this boundary. A perpetrator decides that they want to cross that boundary. They don't want to respect someone else's boundary. And while, you know, talking about that with a, you know, 11th, 12th grader, someone going into college, they might be able to comprehend this. It's a little bit more difficult to explain to a third, fourth, or fifth grader. Yeah. But, but, you know, talking about bullying. So if we start that conversation about boundaries as something accessible like bullying, because no matter what, everyone's experienced some sort of uh, bullying in their life. Um, it's something that's easy, something uh, quickly to grasp, something that's accessible for a 9-, 10-year-old. And if they're able to establish their boundaries in that sense, they'll be one of those topics that starts making more and, se- more and more sense as they get older. And the important thing is, like you were, um, like you were saying, making this a lot more accessible, uh, being able to reach out to uh, schools and school districts and being able to come at it as more of a collaborative effort. Uh, our younger uh, programming that Liliana's in charge of, she, she works hand-in-hand with the schools. She works hand-in-hand with teachers that she's working with. Uh, so it's more of a collaborative effort. Um, luckily, in our school district out here in West County, I've gotten uh, I, I've received a lot of support from uh, the local high schools. Uh, same, uh, well, our team in general has gotten a lot of uh, support from the high schools. So we've been able to work hand in hand with health departments. But it is important to kind of be to kind of be able to coordinate both in class and out of class as well. Definitely. And so that is, that is, you know, that's so essential to, like, making sure that people are really aware of sexual assault and making sure to, you know, one day stop it and to kind of instill that concept within our youths um, at an early age. So education is definitely, you know, I guess essential towards raising awareness and preventing sexual assault. Uh, but Javier, do you believe that education is the best way to raise awareness and kind of prevent sexual assault? Uh, personally, uh, I feel it is. I feel that with education, when we're able to uh, put names to things, when we're able to define what behaviors are, we're able to define what actions are, we can better understand why they take place and we can better understand how to prevent it. Um, but I also understand how there's a lot of people that might feel apprehensive when to uh, when to introduce these sort of topics. Not a lot of people like talking about sexual assault. They feel that the moment they talk about it, um, they want, you know, it invites it. Like, it welcomes that. I don't know whether they believe in bad juju. I don't know if they believe in <laughs> just something that, that just talking about it, you know, dooms it to happen. But the reality is that if we don't have these conversations beforehand, if we don't have these conversations about people being able to uh, communicate consent, being able to understand that consent is a process and not just a one and done deal, that boundaries are important and should be respected. Um, and more importantly, the, the other thing people don't understand is that consent can be retracted if someone doesn't feel comfortable with the situation. You know, they feel that if they consent that uh, a lot of victims feel, oh, well, I said yes when, when this and that happened. Well, no, the, re- the thing is, if Someone might consent to A, that doesn't necessarily mean they consent to B. Um, the problem is a lot of youth, a lot of young people that I've worked with don't understand that. Um, so, yeah, I do feel that 
with proper education, proper preparation, um, that would be that would play a huge part to, be, to preventing sexual assault, um, whether it's on the community level or societal level as well. Yeah, exactly. That was so well said and really relevant to this. So thank you so much, Javier, for this wonderful conversation. Unfortunately, we're out of time. During the break, be sure to check out our charity site at btsya.org, which stands for the Be The Star You Are 501c3 Literacy and Positive Media Charity. More information under events at our website, btsya.org. I'm Maria Wong. And I'm Brigitte Gia. Please visit expressyourselfteenradio.com for more information about our show. When we come back, we will continue our important conversation on sexual assault awareness and prevention. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. Sometimes we may sound strange, but remember, we're just kids with opinions. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself. I'm Brigitte Gia, and today's hour is all about the importance of sexual assault awareness and prevention. And I'm Maria Wong. In this segment, we'll continue our conversation with Javier Lopez, who is a preventive educator for the Community Violence Solutions and a facilitator for the Male Ally Programming, wherein young men learn about healthy masculinity and becoming allies to all women. So thank you so much for being here, Javier. Just to start it off, what are some effective ways to try and prevent sexual assault from occurring? Um, well, when it comes to sexual assault prevention, uh, the way I like to tell people is that we can focus on the here and now, and then there's like the long, the long con, pretty much trying to yeah. trying to prevent sexual assault uh, on a societal level. Um, unfortunately, uh, I always feel weird telling people preventative measures uh, for themselves personally because it's difficult not to give these uh, these tips without sounding like I'm blaming the victim because, you know, that's, that's one thing. It's never a victim's fault. No one ever asked to be the victim of a sexual assault. Uh, but unfortunately, there's predators out there that prey on certain behaviors. Um, but one thing I always tell people is um, is if they feel they are uncomfortable with the situation, it doesn't matter where it is, whether it's at someone's house, whether it's at at a party, whether it's at a uh, you know, public function, if there's something wrong, um, if they feel it in their gut, if they feel their intuition is telling them to get out, there, you know, there's probably a really good reason for that. 
Um, I always tell people when in doubt, get the H out. Um, <laughs> and I tell my young people all the time and they seem to get it. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of victims that we've worked with have told us, oh, if only I'd listen to my gut. Uh, so I always tell people, follow your intuition. Don't be afraid of that gut feeling. Um, another important thing is uh, earlier I was talking about consent and being able to set up boundaries and being able to, to, to have those boundaries respected. Unfortunately, there are people that don't respect boundaries. And if they're not able to respect small boundaries, um, you know, when it comes down to it and it comes to trying to look for consent when it comes to uh, sexual intercourse, uh, they may not respect boundaries then. So it's really important for people to to kind of um, be wary of people that get jealous, people that invade people's personal space, Uh, pay attention to these. These little tells uh, someone that starts getting a little too aggressive, a little too handsy with someone, um, because chances are if they're not respecting boundaries when you first meet them, they won't respect uh, boundaries later on. Um, another thing is communication. Very clear, very clear communication with somebody. If you, it's really important to let someone know uh, what your limits are um, as far as your sexual intentions. If someone isn't comfortable, is comfortable with kissing and they're not necessarily uh, comfortable with actually having sex, you know, it's really important to to be able to communicate with that with someone. Um, And being uh, being very clear on what their intentions are. Um, Another tip I always give people is to always be firm and direct. So if it's no, and if someone uh, if someone feels uncomfortable with the situation, to make sure that make sure that no is said in a way that there's no there's no oh well maybe she's just playing hard to get maybe he's playing hard to get no you know it's really important to understand that uh, consent is always affirmative consent is always yes means yes and everything else means no um, that one I always share with my young people as well. Um, we, we have this idea that consent is, you know, uh, it can change. Uh, the, you know, we look for this illusion of consent where if someone says no, we just ask 50 more times until that no becomes a yes. Um, and again, that goes back to being wary of people who don't respect these boundaries. Um, and I always tell people, ne- never be afraid to make waves. You know, this is about personal safety. Uh, if there's someone, and again, like I was saying, in whatever setting, um, in whatever set- setting they may find themselves, there's someone that's being aggressive, there's someone that's being angry, if there's someone that's being jealous, there's someone that, that's not respecting boundaries, it's really important to communicate that and look for people to help. Um, unfortunately, we live in a society where people are, you know, they, they don't want to be that person to stand up. But if we start kind of uh, looking for those people, looking for those uh, bystanders that are active, that actually want to help people. Um, but the, the, we're, more lo- we're more likely to get help. So, yeah, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, I was just going to say, um, going back to the previous segment, we were talking about how it really starts with um, having just talking about bullying in general and becoming an active bystander and setting those boundaries. Um, yeah, I just thought it was so important just talking about being an active bystander. Oh, definitely. Um, there's a, there's a training program called green dot where, 
um, it's trying to engage, it's about engaging active bystanders. And uh, that's also, I feel like, a really important training uh, because a big part of it is about, uh, about prevention is empathy. Um, that's more on the societal side, but, um, you know, we always, we always tell people to not be afraid to, like I was saying, not being afraid to, to make waves, but, um, and to definitely like shout for help, looking, looking for that individual that will help them. Uh, usually people are more, more, unfortunately, again, more people are inclined to help when they hear the word help or 911 as opposed to the word rape. So, uh, that's always, um, that's always a tip we also give people if they ever find in that situ- find themselves in that situation. Um, unfortunately, uh, alcohol is a large contributing factor uh, when it comes to sexual assault. It's the most commonly used drug in sexual assaults. Uh, so I always tell people, not condoning underage drinking, but I always tell young people. Um, I understand. I was young once. I know how, I know what happens at these parties. They're not study sessions most of the time. Um, <laughs> I always let them know to, to, to be wary of those, of, especially, um, at these house parties, uh, to be wary of drinks that are handed to them. Uh, you never know, you never know who's making the drinks unless you physically see them. So it's really important to, again, trust your gut intuition. If you don't feel comfortable with a certain situation, you know, try to avoid it altogether. What do you think of those? I, I know they have like the the nail polish now that like when you dip it into your drink and um, it'll turn a certain color, like if there is a date rape drug in it, do you think like, is that a good way of kind of, you know, trying to put in some preventive measures? Oh, definitely. I am a huge advocate for that. I feel that the that's actually very, uh, very important, especially with the with a lot of these drugs. Um, for example, uh, like um, Rufi's is a very common one, Rohypnol, um, or GHB, uh, Gamma Hydro. Uh, I never remember how to pronounce it. Uh, Hydroxybutyrate Butyrate. I butchered the name, but regardless. Um, a lot of these drugs are colorless, odorless. They're in and out of your system. They're metabolized out within hours uh, before a tox, uh, toxicology screening can even uh, can even pick them up. So any any uh, any sort of things, um, any sort of tools that can help like that, definitely, I always recommend them. Um, I also, when it comes to to going out uh, to things like that. I always tell people uh, some other tips include, you know, never leaving your drink unintended, um, going with who you can, uh, like leaving with who you can. So if you came with a, with a group of four friends, if you're leaving, make sure you're leaving with that same group of four friends. Um, I know it sounds uh, kind of elementary or for, like from elementary school, but always have that buddy system. Always, uh, always be, it's about being responsible for one another. Yeah, exactly. And going into more, um, if you are a victim or a friend of a victim, how how would you suggest seeking help and aid? Um, usually, the way it works. Um, so when when there's a victim um, and they report, whether to law enforcement or so, usually the main three ways. Sorry, <laughs> I know I'm jumping around, but the main oh, three good. ways is that you uh, they'll file a report with uh, law enforcement. 
or they'll find, or they'll go into uh, the emergency room. So usually when that happens is uh, a SART team or a SART exam is activated, which uh, stands for a sexual assault response team. And that includes uh, medical services, law enforcement, uh, district attorney's offices, uh, rape crisis centers like, uh, like our agency. Uh, and it's a multidisciplinary team that goes in to offer support and services, um, including a forensic exam as well as kind of report taking by uh, police officers. Um, our advocates show uh, to uh, as a sign of support and being able to help um, help victims as they go through the exam and they go through the entire process of gathering uh, evidence and information. Um, so, so usually it's when, when reporting or when it goes to, yeah, when it comes to reporting, uh, like I said, hospital law enforcement or our offices, we also have a 1-800 number and that's 24 seven, um, they usually call a call center, and then from there, um, they get in contact with one of our uh, state-certified count, uh, crisis counselors, and we're able to talk the caller through whatever crisis they may be in at the moment, and we're also able to um, direct them to go to uh, county health uh, centers where they'll be able to activate a start exam there. Yeah, well, thank you. Sadly, we're out of time right now, but thank you so much, Javier, for sharing your knowledge in order to help educate us about sexual assault and prevention. Sadly, it's time to say farewell. We give our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and our Voice America Kids crew, especially our engineer, Matt. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world, and thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Maria Wong. I'm Brigitte Chia. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For information on our creative community, go to btsya.org and our main site at bethestarur.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, work to prevent sexual assault, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself. Produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines if you would let yourself